You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from House for All Sinners and Saints. We are an Evangelical Lutheran Church in America congregation in Denver, Colorado, and you can find out more about us at www.houseforall.org. Grace, peace, and mercy are yours from the triune God. Amen. So earlier this week, I was sitting at my desk at work when I got a text message from my wife, Alyssa. It was a link to an article with the title, She Divorced Me Because I Left Dishes by the Sink. (laughs) After taking a a good long moment to calculate just exactly how many dishes I've left by the sink over the last seven years of our marriage, and to what extent Alyssa's text might be considered a hint. I opened it up and read it, and it's actually a pretty great great little read. Um, It's about how relationships are made and broken by the little things that couples do for one another, like putting a dish in the dishwasher as opposed to leaving it just inches away on the kitchen counter. At its heart, though, The article is about expectation versus reality. How sometimes the most divisive problems in our relationships start with misunderstandings about what the other person expects of us or our unspoken expectations about our partner. Matthew must have realized that Jesus didn't quite match up with what people were expecting. In today's gospel reading, Matthew quotes a passage from the prophet Zechariah But he intentionally leaves out a little line that the king that Israel is expecting will be triumphant and victorious. Instead, he emphasizes, look, your king is coming to you in gentleness, mounted on a donkey. It's why every week in our Eucharistic liturgy, Reagan and Nadia both recite these words about Jesus. He emptied himself of might and glory and set his face toward the fickle crowd, the cruel empire, the faithful despisers. See, Jerusalem in the first century was a powder keg of competing politics and religious beliefs. The fabric of society was being torn apart by the tension between those who supported Roman rule on the one hand and those who sought Jewish independence on the other. Jewish guerrilla fighters roamed the streets of the city with daggers hidden in their cloaks, assassinating Jewish Roman sympathizers before disappearing back into the crowds. For centuries, Israel had passed from under the yoke of one empire to another, which made Jesus' ride into Jerusalem one of those fateful, perfectly timed events that has the potential to change people forever. A critical mass where all it takes is that, that one sideways glance, that one stone being thrown to set off a riot, In the Greek, Matthew captures this this sort of uh, sense of anxiety about the whole event. He says that the whole city shook. I think the the version that we read, it says the whole city was in turmoil. But uh, Matthew uses the the Greek word uh, where we get the word seismic, seismos, uh, that the whole city is shaking with anticipation like an earthquake. And into this chaos rides Jesus bouncing along on a donkey. Into this mess, he rides straight up to the temple and starts turning over tables. 
Now, any Jew in the first century who knew their scriptures would have immediately picked up on the image of a Messiah king riding into town on a donkey. And this is exactly why they threw their hosannas at him. The sight alone carried certain expectations about who Jesus was and what he was about to do. After almost 30 years, uh, the one thing that I've learned about Jesus is that he doesn't really care what I think he should do. Um, When I want him to be an outspoken activist, he remains silent. When I want him to be a hippie peacenik, he turns over tables in the temple. When I want him to be liberal, he's conservative. And when I want him to be conservative, he's liberal. When I was a kid growing up in rural Missouri, I think my whole family had expectations about who and what I should be. I'm the only grandson on either side of my family. I'm one of only two men in my family who didn't join the military. My uncle was a star high school basketball and baseball player. My family tried to encourage me to play sports, to hunt and fish with the other guys, but I just didn't enjoy it like everyone else seemed to. While most of my friends were out listening to Toby Keith, I was listening to Jesus Christ Superstar. (laughs) I was also a huge fan of community theater who didn't quite match what the image of a faithful rural son should be. Here's your rifle, son. Go kill a deer. No thanks, Dad. I want to dance. (laughs) I did a lot of things as a kid that left people scratching their heads just because I didn't conform to the cultural expectations of who people thought I should be. Which brings us back to the crowd in Jerusalem. Like any parade or march, everyone must have had a different reason for being there. Everyone was expecting, wanting, hoping Jesus to be something else, something that they wanted him to be. Some were hoping he would be the promised king that would end the Roman occupation of their homeland. Some thought that he was going to make Judea great again. Some must have heard about Jesus' reputation as a healer or a magician and were hoping that he would relieve them of their illnesses. And surely some of the people were there as voyeuristic bystanders, hoping to catch a glimpse of something violent, or just waiting for the chance to cast that first stone into the crowd or throw that first punch. We always think of Hosanna as a cry of praise, like hallelujah. It's even like this in our hymns. We sang sang it as we were coming down in the procession, right? All glory, laud, and honor to you, Redeemer King, to whom the lips of children made sweet Hosanna's ring. Oh, that's so fresh. (laughs) But Hosanna isn't a sweet affirmation. Go, Jesus! Hooray! Great job! It's, It's a cry of desperation. It's the cry of people who have lost hope, who have no one and nothing left to rely on. Hosanna literally means, save us. I confess that instead of letting Jesus be Jesus, I'm guilty way too often of being part of that fickle crowd shouting my own Hosannas and projecting my misplaced expectations on him, telling him who he should be and the things that he should save me from. Hosanna! Save me, from my annoying craving to always be right. Hosanna, save me from the pain of watching my loved ones suffer from cancer. 
Save me from the burden of my student loan debt. Save me from my incessant worrying about finding the right job or the right place to live. Save me from my self-centered insistence that the world owes me anything. Save me from that voice in my own head that whispers things like, you're never going to be good enough and the world would be a little bit better off without you in it. Save me from my habit of leaving dishes by the kitchen sink. And it's not that he doesn't save us from those things. It's that our expectations almost inevitably lead us to a place of graceless demanding. Jesus is the one who saves us from playing the expectation game by defying our expectations from the very start. Missed expectations lead to that divorce over dirty dishes. The expectations we place on others and the expectations they place on us. They lie at the heart of almost every failure to communicate, every angry phone call, every job lost. Our expectations put us in a position of power. And if there's one thing that's true about power, it's that those who have it typically like to keep it. Missed expectations can even lead an angry crowd to demand the execution of an innocent person a week after they've laid clothing and palm branches at his feet. They can lead from a parade to the cross. When I was in high school, around the time that I was still taking ballroom dancing lessons and awkwardly trying to flirt with the girls in the cast of our town, (laughs) I briefly considered joining the Navy. Yeah. Uh, A couple of men in my family had been in the Navy. And it felt like something that I could do that would make them proud of me. When I told my mom about it, uh, she, she shook her head and said very dramatically, it's not in your destiny. <laughs> what she meant, what she was getting at, was that the decision would have been completely outside of my character, who I am that I was letting cultural expectations drive me instead of making decisions based on who God created me to be. That's just not who I was. And she was right. Looking back, after all these years, um, I see no path for me other than the weird, confusing, and often painful one that has carried me here. And so as we plow head on into that absolute chaos that is Holy Week at House for All Sinners and Saints, we can leave those expectations of who Jesus is and of how God shows up and even of who we are, like so many palm branches at the feet of our Lord, the God of the unexpected, free from the expectations of the fickle crowd and from our own fickle hearts to receive as a gift what the week will bring. Amen.